Welcome to Write, Read, and Write, a podcast that sets you up for success in your English writing and reading. I am Adam Preston Peril, and I'm joined by Josiah Seth Gray. Today we're getting to setting, but before we do, Josiah, what is new with you? It's Christmas, Adam. So the holidays are upon us, and even though I can't really go anywhere, I, I feel like I do have some grand plans for the holidays. I, I think I'm going to try to get caught up on life. I'm going to do all my work. Maybe I'll try to be creative, do something, you know, fun. I might just really chill and do nothing. Um, and as I say this, I know I'll probably just end up eating a bunch of food instead, but it'll be awesome. And what about you, Adam? Well, initially, when I planned this episode, there was nothing new. But I have now transitioned from someone who has goals to someone who has systems and it's going to be a big part of my 2021 i do not have new year's resolutions i just have new systems and i will dedicate myself to revisiting those systems as they need so i can improve towards you know an area Um, but the difference between systems and goals is goals is the destination systems is the process or the journey and i want to start focusing on the journey rather than where i want to go so that's what's new with me, and that's a bit of a surprise to Josiah because it was unplanned. <laughs> well, sometimes unplanned things are, are the best, and I'm, I'm glad that you now have maybe not goals, as you said, but plans and systems in place to try to maximize your life, and that's awesome. And I, I, this is something I learned from a good friend of ours, uh, Adam, but sometimes the most important thing is is not the destination, it's the journey, and that's what you learn from, and and you have to enjoy the journey, not just where you're trying to get to. Are you talking about Bilbo Baggins? No, I was actually talking about Jason. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but Bilbo Baggins, too, yeah. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> More or less. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just jump right into setting up our settings. Um, let's talk about how we build those settings, the significance and the impact of giving time and attention and words to building your setting and how to refer to settings indirectly or subtly. Josiah, what is the impact of a character or action being held in a dungeon? Hmm, Dungeons. I love dungeons so much. Uh, There's such a great uh, location. And when I, when you say dungeons, I automatically uh, start dragging up my, my childhood memories of playing Zelda and navigating Link through all these, you know, complex levels in the dungeons. So there's so many great plot devices that can be used in a dungeon. Often there are monsters, uh, like the Minotaur in the famous Greek myth. And, you know, because a labyrinth is basically just an elaborate dungeon. But along with the idea of labyrinths, we have this idea of mazes and being lost, and there might be traps and puzzles. And just in general, dungeons are just chock full of puzzles that the character must solve or things that the our character must face and defeat. And also, if you're like me, there's also this internal conflict because I hate tunnels. Uh, it's my inner claustrophobic coming out by just hate, hate, hate tight spaces. So the very idea of being trapped in a dark, um, you know, in the dark, uh, unable to climb out of this place uh, because you're underground and just trying to crawl ever forward because uh, you can't really go back because we're in a story. Um, it's just terrifying, and it's wonderful, and I love it. 
Exactly. And, you know, I asked you because I know one of your novels starts with a dungeon escape. Um, and it was purposeful setting for your characters to navigate and to escape. But also if we, if we look at some, some famous sort of dungeons or prisons, um, in Game of Thrones, uh, one character in the Eyrie is held, you know, thousands of feet in the air above, you know, certain death. And that was their dungeon. And if you think of a juxtaposition of a setting of a dungeon that you don't expect, it would be well lit, smell great. Um, and like, what would that represent? What kind of dungeon is that? And that might look more along the lines of when you're dealing with you know, deception, sort of like a Cloud City in Star Wars, uh, Empire Strikes Back. It wasn't necessarily a dungeon as in dark, but it was sort of a prison that they were navigating. In fact, that is definitely demonstrated when Han Solo and Chewie are stuck in a trash compactor pit and have to find a way to escape. Then we start seeing the reality of Cloud City. And again, dear listeners, sorry for the side there. Um, <laughs> I've just been thinking a lot about dungeons lately <laughs> and dragons, but some dungeons. So, uh, dear listeners, students, writers, and readers, um, I want you guys to have intention with your settings. Much like Josiah was talking about how, how you know, monsters and labyrinths are, are something that you might find within a dungeon. If you have intention with your setting and you give it significance, then there is more connection to the character and their conflict. Um, as I was saying before, a setting of a dungeon that is well lit, um, smells great, is well furnished and nice and comfortable. Um, it, it's sort of awkward for us to think about. Like we're not thinking about escape from that. We're not thinking about, you know, the terrible things that happen. You monsters jumping out, but they could. It would just, you know, sort of surprise us. And that setting can be purposeful. We talked a little bit about having tone for an introduction, and I, I think, especially with the IGCSE, using your first couple paragraphs of your narrative to set up uh, the story's tone and mood and atmosphere with the setting is essential to, to your success. Um, just to clarify, the tone is the intended feeling of the writer, the mood is the reader's interpretation of that feeling, and the atmosphere is the feeling of the environment that the characters exist in. Um, so when I use these terms, I just wanted everyone to know. Um, trying to keep things a little bit brief. I know I, know I keep going off on tangents. Um, that's what happens when I'm in a good mood. Um, but, you know, as we're going into the, some of these topics, and if there's anything that anyone wants to listen to or hear about or something they're struggling with, they should definitely contact us um, and our students know how. And we can uh, address those. But back to settings. <laughs> um, I think the setting can really inform the reader of what kind of actions and dialogue to expect. And I think that's important. It sort of sets a promise. If someone's in a deep, dark wood, you're going to expect them to be lost, see lights, hear sounds. It is what you expect, and it helps you know, navigate the character and, and the plot a little bit. In comedy, this is used to subvert expectations for the sake of humor, like inmates discussing braiding hair while serving on a chain gang. That would be humorous to us because it's not what we expect and something that would be terrible. It gives us that juxtaposition. You don't expect the setting of working in the hot sun crushing rocks to lead to that discussion on how hair can move into braids. Just like you wouldn't expect people to be talking uh, on a cross about you know, life being unfair and it being humorous, much like you have with Monty Python. In horror, we also use setting to build suspense for a sequence of events so that we can get under our audience's skin. When the muddy ground starts sticking to the bottom of shoes and rain comes in sideways as the protagonist runs away, you know something is about to happen. 
you probably guess they're going to slip. They're going to fall. The car is going to get stuck in the mud. You can build that anticipation because you invested time into the setting. And that is my bit for the impact of setting. Um, and I've talked a bit. So, uh, Josiah, how do we set up a setting? Always look on the bright side of light. Do, 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 do. I can't whistle. Yeah, I can't try that. Uh, the, you, nice that you, you had a comparison there, both the, the idea of juxtaposition, but also the impact of tone. And I just want to continue that with thinking about tone and setting it up. And it's interesting that we're talking about setting right now. Uh, since I just actually finished a unit on Gothic stories with my year seven students and setting is just vitally important to Gothic stories. And in fact, if you have a Gothic story, this uh, Gothic story, the setting is so important that it actually becomes a character by itself. Cause you can think about the ruined castles, the creepy grape graveyards, the empty forts, all these settings change the feel of the story, like you already said, but they are so iconic. They're so big to this story that they're almost a character. Um, but if we're going to set all this up, we do need to do some world building first. And that's really important if you're thinking about setting. So we build our settings to communicate the genre, uh, but also the emotion, like Adam was saying, the, the tone, the mood, the atmosphere. Uh, so think about the book Frankenstein. So throughout that book, Mary Shelley has her characters uh, in desolate landscapes. And in fact, the, the book actually ends with the characters on a frozen tundra in the Arctic. And that kind of symbolizes just the bleakness and sadness of that story. And it also just really fits the horror genre that that story is set in. So you should really try to populate your settings with things that reveal your story. Or if you want to be like Adam, you can reverse the expectation by having a, a beautiful dungeon. Um, but yeah, some other examples, um, murder mysteries, uh, they're often full of, you know, red herrings or characters with, you know, dark secrets. There are unexpected, unexpected deaths and twists to the story. And this might show to the reader how life is not always what you expect. And that might be part of that, that genre. Whereas if you have sci-fi books, sci-fi books are often filled with these amazing planets and, and cool alien species or, you know, advanced robots and tech. And that might show how incredible the future could be. Unless, of course, you know, the cool aliens or the awesome robots are attacking Earth or taking it over. And then that shows how frightening our future might be. So what you should think about is what are you trying to communicate in this story? and then fill that setting with things that symbolize that. And then once you have those things, you can really just go nuts with describing them. So use your adjectives to describe the frozen tundra as icy and empty and lifeless. And use your similes and metaphors to describe the amazing planet as a new Eden for the human race, or to say that the terrifying aliens were you know, monsters that destroyed us like vengeful gods. And so build your story, populate it with fun set pieces, then make these set pieces come alive with great description. And that is awesome, especially, you know, at IGCAC level, either you're writing a narrative and you need a quick setting that's impactful, or you're writing a descriptive piece and you really need to get into all the senses that your world or your, your environment 
um, that you're describing have. Um, and I want to touch on one more thing for our more advanced writers, and that is how to translate direct description into indirect and subtle description. We spend a lot of time on figurative language. We talk about similes and metaphors, and these are relatively direct. Yes, you might have to interpret them at times, but the author is telling you exactly what your comparison is. I want our students to think about how they can talk about a character's experience of a setting instead of talking about the setting directly. So instead of saying they stood in the forest, lost, you could say she looked for a sign of, of a trail in the dense forest. If someone's looking for a trail, we already know they're lost. Okay. So we, the character is engaging in the environment, telling us a bit more than just describing the environment by itself. My bedroom means something to me. It means a place of rest and sleep and comfort and relaxation um, because I, the character, am engaging in it. Just like when I go for my run and I run along the streets, it's very different than somebody who's just walking with some groceries. Um, so if you think about the context in which the character is engaging with the environment, you can subtly show what is around a character without talking about it directly. So first, what you want to do is consider what might be explicitly stated and think about interactions that a character could have. And that will help you get to that level. We, we, you know, we're going to have the same information, but you know, making it mean more to the character is better for that setting. This is only one example, and I want people to experiment with it. And you're always welcome to ask us, hey, does this get the setting across? Show us your blurb, your line, a few, a few lines, a paragraph, and say, am I showing this in my writing? Um, and we'll be happy to help you. But, you know, again, trying to keep this short, you know, we're already going long. <laughs> so I don't want to confuse the message, but think about how your setting can be subtle. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, Adam, it's, it's a really tough practice to do, and it's going to take a lot of work um, and, and revision of that. Uh, but this goes into the whole controversy of showing verse telling. A lot of uh, writing people will, you know, authors will tell you, show, don't tell. And I actually talked to my year eights about this earlier, the earlier in the term, and they did struggle to understand it because it, it's hard to wrap your mind around. So we should probably talk about it in more detail uh, some other time. But basically, uh, you as the, as the writer could tell us that these people are lost in the forest with the words that you're using. Or you could actually show us, like Adam was saying, show us through the actions uh, and the dialogue of these characters, and that communicates that they're lost. It is much harder to do, uh, and but it is really important for older readers because in kid stories, uh, the writers do a lot of telling, okay? Uh, because the kids are young, they're not very advanced. They need uh, to be told what's happening. But once you have older audience, they want to be shown, okay? They want to come to their own conclusions or else uh, they might kind of feel like you're treating them like they're not very smart, like they're kids. And, and I think reflection on this episode and consideration of the homework will have a great impact on the listeners. Um, so like for all those students who aren't getting this yet and who don't understand the difference between showing and telling, I, I really want to push reflection on these. I know we have a few listeners. I, I do pay attention to how many uh, or how many different listens we have. Uh, but if you can spend some time reflecting on this, uh, don't just listen and say yes. Think about how you would change your work. Look at your old work and see how can I show instead of tell and, and really get into it. 
Right. I agree. And writing, the very process of writing is very cyclical. It's the cycle, uh, which is basically why we called this podcast, right? Read and write. You write something, then you read and you learn how to improve it. And then you write again, having reflected on what you have learned. But in the end, experience, I would say, is, is truly the very best teacher for writing. I think that for me, I learned more about writing from actually doing the very act of writing a book than I ever could have if I just read about writing or if I listened to people talk about it. Exactly. I feel the exact same way. I had to write a couple books before I realized, oh, this is the actual process that people are talking about. Hmm. And as far as processes go, I want to talk about homework for this week. Actually, this few weeks, I want students to do no homework. I want them to relax and enjoy the setting that they're in. And I know that's hard in COVID times, but chill. You know, enjoy your home being your home or your bedroom being your bedroom. And if you can't find a way to make it enjoyable, then imagine a setting that is enjoyable. Close your eyes and just meditate on that place. Right. And I'm going to kind of take that one step further and kind of give homework. Not really homework, okay. Um, but if you can't imagine a setting... Uh, Find a setting. So I, what I want you to do is just kind of absorb. Uh, become a sponge and soak up all the details of a place. That could be your house. Um, sadly, with COVID, we can't physically travel to other places beyond our house. Um, however, the internet is wonderful. And you can digitally travel somewhere. So you could take a Google stroll around Machu Picchu or take a virtual tour of the Great Wall of China or if you're like me, maybe you'll watch some YouTube videos of being in a coffee shop in Europe because that's my happy place and I really miss it. <laughs> but soak up the details of that setting. So think about the set pieces in that setting. Think about the sensations you might have there. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? And obviously you're not physically there, but what do you think you'd smell or taste or feel there? And even if you don't learn anything, at least you'll kind of sort of feel like you've gotten somewhere for the holidays well said well let's end this year better than the way we started even if it's in our heads and i hope that everyone has a great 2021 and i think that's it yep 2021 it'll be such a great year so much better in 2020 uh so that's it for this week's episode of right read and write uh, we'll be taking a couple weeks off and enjoying our holiday so we hope you do too and I think I'm going to go see Hobbiton in New Zealand. That's my fun virtual visiting. Uh, but check back with us uh, in the new year for the continued development of your practice of writing, reading, and, of course, writing some more. So happy 2021. We'll see you next year.